I wanted to start out today with the idea that the biggest complaint... Oh, I'm sorry. Young people, skedaddle. That's an old phrase. <laughs> it's junior high. Uh, you're going to meet downstairs in the lower level, and uh, you're going to get to see Life Without Limbs, Nick's inspirational story today, and it's awesome. Uh, I watched that, and, and it's... Just ask your kids when you see them after service. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It was actually the 11th, but I appreciate the thoughtfulness of most of you who saw that it was my birthday. I try not to highlight it too much. The older I get, the less I want to highlight it. <laughs> so, where I was going with that thought, the number one complaint I hear from the world, the unchurched. How many have unchurched friends? All right. When you talk to them, what is their biggest complaint? with the church? Hypocrisy. Why would they think that? Couldn't it be they watch us? Yes, they do. And, and they watch you and me. You see, we're, we're the canvas. God painted this, this beautiful picture on us. And what do we do? We try to Get it off, because we don't... How many people really exercise your faith? The people out in the world know that you're a Christian. Not just by, I'm a Christian, but by how you act. As we've gone through the, the fruits of the Spirit, and, and again, I said that wrong, as we go through the fruit of the Spirit, because we talked about this in the very first one, fruit is singular, meaning that all nine of those fruits that are mentioned, and I'm going to show them in just a minute, all nine of those fruits that are listed in this little short list in Galatians 5 should be a part of who we are. And, and it's not a recommendation, it's not a suggestion, it is who you are. And we talked about it, they are love, say it with me, love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the nine. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, this should be represented. When the world watches you, this should be represented. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you need to represent this, this kind of fruit. So I want to start, and we, we've already gone through six. We're going to go through the last three today. Are you ready for this? Whether you are or not, we're going to go through them. Faithfulness. The shortened, of course, it means faith, to have faith. It means to have a moral conviction of a religious truth. Mainly, that you and I are saved through the blood of Christ and through Him alone. If you truly believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you truly believe it with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, this truth will drive everything about you. Everything. It'll determine what your boundaries are. So many people see, oh, how far can I go with this? 
Can I have one beer? Can I have six beers? Can I have 12 beers? I'm just using beer as an example. Beer in itself, is it a sin? But too many is. How many is too many? Probably more than one for most of us. I think if I had one today, I'd probably get scorched. I choose not to drink. Why? Because it isn't worth having people watch me and say, well, if he can drink, I can drink, and, and they might not be able to handle it. Well, I had one, but I'm going to stop there. <laughs> you have one, you have two, then you have three, then you have four. How many ever quit smoking? You quit. And then somebody came and said, hey, want a cigarette? And you're like, okay. What happened? Yes, you started up again. I did that so many times before I was finally delivered for good at 26. And I'm so thankful God delivered me from that horrible thing. Mainly because I stunk. And I didn't know it till I quit. And then everybody else that smoked, I got around and went, that used to be me. It'll determine your boundaries, what's right and wrong. And it will help you to determine what's good and what's bad. Faithfulness. It's impossible, listen to this, it's impossible to be faithful if you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. We are all called to a higher calling. What does that mean? I wanted to share this. I read this last week uh, from uh, the NLT. I wanted to read it this week from Ephesians in the message. No, we are neither... Sorry. We neither make nor save ourselves... You say amen to that? God does both the making and saving. He creates each each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the what? The work he does. The good work that he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. You young people, God bless you. How many are working at camp? Raise your hand. Yeah. God bless you. I know they don't pay you enough. You barely get paid. And yet you're out there cleaning up after dirty little children. You have to prepare their meals. And you get to hold them and hug them and pray with them and do all kinds of other cool stuff. In Jesus' name, because you chose to volunteer there. Thank you. You guys, you know what? When you get to heaven, you're, you're going to have a reward you didn't realize was coming your way from the hundreds that are influenced by your ministry. Thank you. Faithfulness, perfect example. I really wish my voice wasn't going. Pray for me. As one walking in the Spirit, you need to discover what your purpose is. And one of the best ways I know of to do this 
is find something to do. Look at, and, and I shared this a couple weeks ago. God will not move a parked car. If you got the brake on and you're in park, forget it. As a Christian, you need to get moving. Well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Then do something. Find something little that you can do. I don't care if it's in the church or in your local neighborhood, but be Christ with skin on. That's what it's all about. That's what faithfulness is all about. Do something. When you're volunteering, you're serving. And while you're serving, you are representing Jesus. And it's the only way that you could show your faithfulness. If you're only faithful to self, you're missing the point. Hello? Got quiet. If you're only faithful to yourself, you're missing the point. Serving, how many know this, isn't easy. And it shouldn't be. It should require something from you. Otherwise, where's the faith come in? If while you're faithful, nothing is required of you, then there's no faith needed. One final point on this. It will always cost you something. Say that with me. It will always cost you something to be faithful. What does it cost? Start with this. Right here. Time. Time is the one commodity that you'll never get back. You don't, you don't get any more. You, you get the same amount as everybody else while you're living, but you don't get any more. 24-7. That's it. So what you do with that time, how you are faithful, determines the blessing that God's going to pour out on you. Hear this. You can never outgive God. And that includes with time. How many have gone to do something and you decided to stop and help somebody, which took time, and then when you went back to whatever the project was you were doing, it took way less time than you thought it would. That's the kind of God we serve. Time. Second, this is a big one, money. We all have limited resources. Anybody have unending? You got the pot of gold in your backyard, you just go out and scoop up gold? No. You're limited, but what you do with that determines your faithfulness. When Barb and I first came to the Lord back in 1981, I didn't understand what it meant to give. We ended up in a Pentecostal church under Dave Williams. Mount Hope Church in Lansing. And one of the first messages we heard was, you need to tithe. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he go, went through this process and he, and he shared the teaching on that. And it's the one place where God says, you can even test him in this and see if I won't pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. And Barb and I are sitting there, because I worked at General Motors back then, and I had a big check coming in. So we decided, you know what? If this is what it means to be a Christian, to be faithful, 
We're going we're gonna to tithe. Let's, let's do it. And we agreed. So we tithed off the net. After tax, right? After insurance was paid, right? After health insurance or, or life insurance was paid. It was awesome. And we did that for months. And then somebody challenged us. Hey, why don't you, if you're really be, wanting to be faithful with God, why don't you tithe off the gross? And I said, that's gross. <laughs> really? That's a lot of money. Do you know what Uncle Sam takes out of GM workers' pay? Like 30% and I'm still supposed to tithe on the other part? So we said, okay, let's do it. I remember after a couple of years of that, we, we did our taxes. Our neighbor was a CPA who was borderline Christian. And he looked at what our income was and what we were giving, and he said this, and I quote, you shouldn't be making it. Hello? And yet, we were wealthy. We had more than we'd ever had, and we never had a need that went unmet. Why? Because you cannot outgive the Lord. Luke 6:38. Give and you will receive. You guys know this, right? Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Same thing. Don't store your treasures up here on the earth. What's going to happen? Rust, moths, you're going to lose it. People are going to steal it. But if you put it in heaven, and how do you do that? Give generously. If you put it in heaven, your treasures are going to be there when you get there. And I promise you this, God's interest is way better than any bank on this world. Hallelujah. Be faithful with your money. Next, energy. How many of you don't have the same amount of energy today that you had when you were their age? Sorry, pick on you. I'm telling you, you think when you get up in the morning, oh, you ought to be in our bodies. <laughs> Wait till you're 60 plus. <laughs> Listen, even though my energy level's coming down, my faithfulness isn't. I do what I can do with what I have. And you know what? The good news is that's all God expects. But as long as you're breathing, as long as you're still on this side of heaven, you need to spend your energy on kingdom things. At least some of it, all right? Tithe your energy. <laughs> Hello? And by the way, just as it's a perfect plug next Sunday after service we're going to go out and we're going to pick up three miles of M32 and we got it all divided into little one mile sections so all you have to do is a mile so bring your tennis shoes and your hats and your bug spray if you need it next Sunday after service and then when we're all done we'll come back and have pizza here at the church so as many as we can get light, many hands makes light work, and a great place to expend 
some of that energy. Why do we do that, by the way? Our name is on that sign out there. Every time they walk by it, Mount Hope Church volunteers to pick up this highway. So if there's garbage and trash all over it, what are they going to think? Huh, they don't care. Look at this mess. But if it's picked up, what are they going to think? Hey, those people care. Enough to get out there three times a year and pick up our garbage. And we should be willing to do that. Finally, and this one's reputation. Reputation, what do I mean by that? When I was first introduced to Jesus, and then we ended up going to Mount Hope Church, it became our life. Jesus became my life. And all my friends began to realize he's not the same. In my family, they would actually get mad at me. All you do is spend time with your church people. Yeah? What did I do there? I prayed. I learned. I worshipped. I invested in people. Why? Because I wanted my family to see there's more things important in this life than having fun and just doing your hobbies and all the other stuff. Because if they don't see us living for Jesus, what's going to draw them? Which makes my point. People need to see that your relationship with Christ is more important to you than anything else. Sports? Hobbies? I don't step it on some of your toes. Well, I only have Sunday off. Look, and I'm not telling you never to take a Sunday off. I wouldn't do that. We're not religious or legalistic here. But what I will say, if it's common practice that you take Sunday off to go do whatever, there's something wrong. How do you explain that to your friends? You go to church? Well, when I feel like it. Oh, you're really connected, huh? It's really important to you, huh? Jesus really means a lot to you, huh? Well, do you have to go to church to serve Jesus? No. But the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling together. Why? Because we need each other. You need to be built up. You might not think that, but you need to be built up at least one day a week. So you can go out there and do battle the rest of the week with all those unchurched blessings that are surrounding you. I was trying to come up with something to say. When people watch you, if they can't tell you're a Christian from what they see, you're probably not a true disciple of Christ. Listen to what James said. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is what? Dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Say that with me. I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Is that you, Christian? Follower of Christ? Or is it, is it just 
about coming in, feeling good, and going home. Well, what am I going to do this week? What should I spend my money on this week? My time, my energy. Where's your reputation going? Show the world that Christ, what Christ means to you by being faithful in whatever he's challenged you to do for his kingdom. All right, figure it out. Gentleness, second fruit. In the King James, this is meekness. It means to be humble, and it refers to those who walk in humility. That means you don't think more highly of yourself than you should. For by the grace given me, Paul said, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. This is so important. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. That song we played earlier, which we'll hear again soon, talks about the Father bringing us into unity. Did you know that unity is, is the number one draw for the Holy Ghost? When you're unified in a church, the Holy Spirit wants to be there. I'm not saying He isn't in churches that don't behave in unity, but it's a good chance he's not there. If you've ever been in a dead church, you know what I'm saying. I don't think we're there yet. This is maintenance, by the way. I'm not drawing any attention to anyone here today. This is something the Holy Spirit laid on my heart. He said, look, this is really important because this world is watching you closer today than they ever have. And you have got to live for me and you've got to be an example of who I've called you to be. Live like Jesus. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. Each member belongs to the others. Did you know that? Tell your neighbor, you belong to me. Now look at him and say, and I belong to you. It's a, it's a mutual symbiotic thing. We need each other. When you're hurting, you've got to have people to call on. When you're rejoicing, what fun is it if you're all by yourself? Celebrate Jesus when he does something awesome. Call your friends and say, hey, you know what God did? Hallelujah. And I want you to understand this. In this church, the pastor and the janitor are no different. Mike's not here today. He's spending time with his family. But I want you to know this. Mike, as our janitor, is one of the most awesome guys on the planet. And we're equal. And by that, you might disagree, especially if he didn't come in this week and clean before he left, you might disagree that he's less important than me. Or I'm, wait a minute, I said that wrong. That I'm more important than him. 
if I were to say that, you would disagree because if the bathrooms weren't clean, you'd probably think, uh, I don't want to go back to the Hope. They got dirty bathrooms. What else is dirty? Kitchen. Ew, what kind of stuff? No, we want a good janitor. He's important. That person that greeted you today, when you came in, hopefully somebody did, if they're out there going, welcome to the home. Come on. They're important. Everybody in this church is equal in God's eyes. He's not a respecter of anybody. Pride goes before destruction. Don't, don't ever think more highly of yourself than you should. Don't ever think you deserve anything because none of us deserves a thing. And this is important. Never promote yourself or elevate yourself. Do what you're called to do. Remain faithful. Let the Lord give the increase. Let Him elevate you. I've worked a lot of different jobs over the years and I was promoted in every one of them. Not because I'm some superstar, but because I believed this and I practiced it. And I stayed humble. And I never went to the boss and said, you need to promote me. You see what I'm doing? No. I always let the Lord do it, and He did it. Which always meant an increase, which was awesome. That's the fruit of the Spirit in operation. That's the fruit of gentleness. The final one, and this, this is... This is a King James says this is called temperance. It's the art of exercising self-restraint. Many of us need to improve on this. I include me in that. Example, if somebody were to bring me, say, six dozen cookies and put them in front of me, Self-restraint would be, rather than eating the six dozen, I would only eat two. Cookies. Not, not dozen. My flesh would want to eat two dozen. Self-control means that you are in control. Listen, this is flesh. <laughs> it is. It's the one thing that's not governed. You bring it along with you. Even though you're born again, even though you've been changed on the inside, your spirit man is connected to God, you still have this. And it craves things. Not just food. It craves juicy Little morsels. Hey, did you hear about so and so? Seldom do I meet a Christian who says too little. Seldom. You know the tongue, and we're going to go to James here in just a minute. If you got your sword with you, you can turn there. But James 3. We'll get there in a minute. I wanted to talk about this, though. 
if some of us would practice a little self-control over our tongue, we might bear more fruit. What does that mean? Be a listener, not a talker. As wise as you are, Almighty One, when people come to you, especially the unchurched, they don't want you to tell them what to do. I'm just, I'm just telling you. They want you to listen. They want you to connect with them. And you can't do that if you don't shut this, get, get hold of your tongue, and, and then listen. And not just with these. Listen with your heart. Put yourself in their place. You know, God's got a whole sea of counselors right here. If we just practiced this, people would be like, wow. And hear this. If you listen and get to know that person, eventually, and the Holy Spirit will tell you when, eventually you'll know and probably get the opportunity to share about Jesus. But you got to listen. Get a check on that tongue. And then this part. When you talk, be positive. Don't talk trash about other people. Those are two different things. First, nobody likes a negative Nancy. You probably know people that when you see them coming, you're like, oh. You're in Walmart and you go around. Why? Because you don't want to hear it. You don't want them unloading on you. Christian, this shouldn't be us. We should be positive that we're born again, that we're saved. We have a hope in Jesus. We should be full of joy and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Nobody likes a negative Nancy. If, if a visitor or an unchurched person were to come into our church and hear a couple of us, what would that do? I know what I would do. I'd be hightailing it out. I have. I left the church because of that. Too much of this isn't good. Unity. If you're prone to be negative, what can you do to be more positive? Let me start by saying this. Usually a person who is negative is upset or angry about something. Usually. So my, my best advice is take a deep breath. Before you spill anything, get, get control and take a deep breath. Everybody do that. Hold it. 10, 20 seconds, however long, and, and some of you five seconds, and then exhale slowly. Do that a couple of times. You know what happens? Your heart rate comes down, and, and you get a chance to just think, all right, is what I'm about to say necessary? That's number two, all right? Look at the facts. Is this really worth causing a stir over? Hello? Trying to head stuff off here, maintenance, right? One of the harshest statements I've ever heard 
from an unchurched person is, all I hear you guys doing is biting each other in the backs. What? Are you serious? I get angry. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Church people? Yeah. Wow. They're watching us. Church, they're watching us. We've got to use caution before we speak. If you've got a question about somebody or with somebody, what should you do? Go to that person. Don't be going to ten others. Well, you know, I've talked to my committee over here, and we've decided that you're in the wrong. Don't do that. Don't be that person. You know, this grieves the Holy Spirit. Third, be a blessing to the church and to the leaders, not a curse. Listen, if you're gossiping about others or talking trash, you know you're causing division. And the day's going to come when you're going to give account for that. This kind of sinful behavior will not be allowed. And you will be judged. And again, oops, where am I? I should have gone through those. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. If you think we just walk in here and walk out every day without giving account, you're wrong. I have regular communication with him. And he often shows me people that I need to be praying for. Contribute to the joy of the leadership, not the drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? When people cause division, whether it's in the church or in the camp, the camp is a form of the church, by the way. What does that do? It ruins the atmosphere. You want God, the Holy Spirit, to show up, but you're over there. Did you hear about so and so? Just stop. You got an issue with a person, go to the person. Not to your committee. Well, I just wanted to pray about it. That's sinful. You go to the person. And then if you can't deal with it, if it's bigger than them or bigger than you, then bring some leadership into it. But only a couple of leaders, not the whole cotton-picking bunch. I know, I'm causing them to cry. I get it that people are prone to gossip. The juicier, the better. One of the shows I despise the most is TMZ. I've watched it a couple times, and the only reason I call them out is because all they do is gossip about other people. They're negative. They try to destroy them. There's no positiveness there. Don't watch that show. It should be taken off the air. Christians don't talk about their brothers and sisters like that. And this takes me back to something when I was a kid. 
Man, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. Why are you so quiet? <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew talks a little bit about that. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning, Jesus said. Words are powerful. Take them serious. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. This topic is so important, I wanted to conclude with James. I told you to go there a while ago. This is from the message. This is scary, he said. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women He made in His image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next. Does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? Do you want to be counted wise? To build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well. Live wisely. Live humbly. Sounds kind of like the fruit of the Spirit to me. It's the way you live, not the way you talk. And by the way, these are my highlights in red. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Hello? Can you say that with me, that red part? It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you're wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish conniving. Now you see why I picked this, this version. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Verse 16. Whenever you're trying to look better than others, or get the better of others, things fall apart. Everyone ends up at the other's throats. Are you with me still? Real wisdom, he said. This is James, the apostle talking. God's wisdom begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with each other. How simple is that? And yet, it's one of the most difficult things the church has to deal with. It is gentle, it is reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day, cold the next, not two-faced. We see enough of that everywhere else. We don't need that in the church. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only, emphasis, only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. I wanted to jump down to verse 7 of chapter 4. Reading on from there. So let God work His will in you. <laughs> Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. 
When you feel the urge to talk trash about somebody, (laughs) just look at them and say, get behind me, Satan. No, you're not using me for your dabblings. Say quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. You don't have to yell to God. He'll be there quick when you start to struggle with this kind of stuff. He'll be there in no time. And then he says, quit dabbling in sin. He's talking about bad-mouthing people. He's calling that sinful. Are you getting it? Church. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. (laughs) What does that mean? It means that when you're trying to hang with peers... And the peer pressure's on you, and they start talking negative, trashy stuff about somebody in your group. What do you need to do? Either leave or say, really? Is that who we are? Are you any better than this person? Have some guts and take a stand for people. Take a stand for Christ. Wow, this is powerful. It's better when I'm preaching it. (laughs) The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the Master. It's the only way you'll get back on your feet. I'm about ready to wrap it up. What's that say? Friends. Who's James talking to? The church. They're his friends. Don't badmouth them. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating when we talk like that. That's what I was saying earlier. When people look at the church and they go, I ain't going there. You're just a bunch of hypocrites. All I see you do is backbiting each other. We're going to give an account for every person that we've driven away by this. Because we thought we were all that. And that person needed it. I needed to straighten them out. No, you don't. You let the Holy Spirit do that. You pray for them. Hallelujah. God, oh, I missed a little part. You're supposed to be honoring the message not with graffiti. I love that. Not with graffiti all over. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? And that's exactly what we're doing when we start talking about people. When we start judging. None of us are called to be judge and jury. For the same measure that we use to judge others is the measure that Jesus is going to use to judge us one day. That should make you a little bit more sober of opening this. Only speak good things about your brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you don't agree with somebody, talk to that person. If you can't come into agreement, take the high road and let it go. What's it going to mean in 100 years? I love that. What's it going to mean in 100 years? If that person goes on doing whatever that person is doing, what is it going to mean? Probably nothing. So leave it. You take the high road. Shut this. 
and move on. Would you stand? Brother Jeff, can you come up here real quick? You've got one minute to pray, brother. No, I'm... You know, I'm going to say this. If you have to go, that's no harm, no foul. It's almost noon. We understand if some of you are on a schedule. But this week, God put something on this man's heart as he was praying. And it had to do with the unity of the body. I don't know if you're still feeling that this is an appropriate time, are you? Not to put you on this the spot. This is a faith thing. God wants okay. me to step it's out a in faith. faith. So, why don't you share a little bit, and I'm just going to put this up. I want you guys to look at this list again, because to me, if we're not living this, we're missing it. Joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. When you behave with these, these fruits evident in your life, the fruit of the Spirit, the law isn't going to judge you. In fact, someday you're going to be rewarded. But if you're not living with these fruits, the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life, you're going to be judged. Hello? So, it's an either-or thing. And I believe that one of the biggest indictments against us, I've said it about four times, is that the, church, the world looks at the church and says, you guys don't even love each other. I've seen you. You stand in church on Sunday, and, and then you come out and you're just biting each other. It shouldn't be. What did God put on your heart to pray? Can you share a little bit? Yes. <laughs> yes, I can. Um, I'm Jeff Myers. I'm a telephone worker for AT&T. I'm also a prayer intercessor. And I also take part in what's called prophetic etiquette. Can my prophetic etiquette sisters please raise your hands? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to start praying right now, please, in tongues. Thank you. And thank you, Sarah. Appreciate that. Glad you're there. I was going to ask the pastor to do that, but I guess he's thinking ahead. Praise God. Anyhow, with my prophetic etiquette peoples, my peeps, back in November, I believe I received um, a word from Father. Father said that, that there's going to be coming... Not to interrupt. By Father, he's talking capital F, the oh, Heavenly God, Father. Father God, Father God. You, you have a direct relationship. I just wanted to make clear that everybody knew who, you're, who the Father was. The right. Lord, the Lord yes. God. Thank you. Anyhow, there's going to be a season of breakthrough. That's what he told me. A season of breakthroughs. I think that's really exciting. We're going through a season of breakthroughs. It's going to affect us all. I don't know if it's going to affect just this church, although I suspect it's going to go beyond this church. Anyhow, a week later, same peeps, Father revealed that the first breakthrough is going to be a breakthrough in love. Now, I'm grateful for that. I think that's cool. I think that's awesome. I was kind of hoping for something really spiritually kung fu, you know, but I'm good with love. But then... 
then God, Father God, started revealing the, the possibilities of a breakthrough in love. And I got excited. I forgot all about the, the Kung Fu spiritual stuff. Father promised us something really special. Above and beyond anything we've ever experienced before. And that's a love for each other that's so intense that even after we walk out of here and after the excitement dissipates, we're going to have an intense love for each other here in the body of Christ, here at Mount Hope. And I'm suspecting it's also you visitors too. That it won't dissipate. It's going to last beyond our deaths. That's what Jesus told me. And so for these past months, I've been praying, among other things, for that first breakthrough to come through. And we've had bumps and starts on it. But my God is faithful. <laughs> and the squeaky hinge gets the oil. But a set of circumstances led me to believe, but mostly I'm stepping out in faith in this, that we should be praying for this right now, that I'm going to be praying over you right now. So I'm going to ask the Father right now in the name of Jesus to bring that, that breakthrough of love. Would you lift your hands? That baptism it? of love. And after that, then I'm going to, I'm going to have to do a, a, a small intermission. Father, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, according to the promises you give us according to the beauty of your name according to John chapter 14 verses 12 and 13 where you said what you ask I'm going to be giving you because I'm going to the Father and it's going to give him glory so Father I'm asking for this baptism of love on everyone Everyone here, everyone in this sanctuary and beyond, Father, in the name of Jesus, let people feel it right now, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody, all the ushers, we'll probably need ushers for the ushers. Okay? And while we're doing this, and while we're, we're, we're opening ourselves for the Father, um, for those, and you're just going to have to be really courageous about this. To the Jetsons. If you have something that you have against someone in this church, I don't know if you knew that was going to happen. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, this has got to be a God thing. Father wanted me to invite people right now if you've, if you've been hurt by someone in this church and it's, and it's really been getting you down, in the mighty name of Jesus, I want you to have the courage to go to them right now as we're praying and let them know how you've been hurt to ask for forgiveness and to give forgiveness right now, right now. I promise you it'll be worth it because I'm gonna do it right now as soon as I can find Pastor Barb. 
Pastor Barb, where are you? She's in the kids. Okay. When I was in the children's program, I got a lot of blessing out of it, but I was also obnoxious about it. Um, and I was deliberately that way. So, Pastor Barb, as soon as I see you, I want to ask you forgiveness because I caused a lot of havoc in that. And I want to ask her forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Father. Father, bring your grace and mercy down on us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Just have your way with us, Father. Open us to everything we have. We you want us to have, Father, as, as one body in Christ. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. If you, if you feel the need to laugh, don't worry about it. Let it out. To laugh? To laugh. To cry. If you're feeling the need to cry and you're not sad about anything, that's wonderful. Don't fight it. Just let it happen. If you're feeling like I'm feeling right now in your midriff, <laughs> a tightening, that's the Holy Spirit having his... <laughs> Jeff, I feel that the anointing needs to be imparted. Would you be up to grabbing the oil? Just If they come up, would you... If you want this special anointing, which I think is going to... It's going to... There's going to be a breakthrough from this. How many of you ever have trouble holding your feelings with somebody? We need this. In fact, I'll be the first one because you guys hurt my feelings all the time. And I'm, I'm being genuine with you. It's not like I'm a big crybaby. I don't mean that. But it hurts sometimes what, what we hear, what we see. And I still love you. And I forgive you. And there are some of you here that I know you should be coming to me right now and saying, Feel the same way about you, brother. You hurt me. I get that. We're human. Flesh. Till we're in our glorified bodies, we got this. We have to deal with it every day. That's why the Holy Spirit was sent so that we would have a counselor, an advocate, somebody to fight in our corner and say, hey, this is what you need to do. Right now, the Holy Spirit's saying through Jeff, you need to forgive. There's somebody in this room that you need to, to forgive. Get over to them now. If there's somebody you need to call as soon as you're done here, do it when you leave. You are going to be set free.